in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hi, Bunkers. Hey, welcome back to another thrilling edition of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast, the only podcast where Art and I come straight into your ears. Goodness gracious. We do? Yeah. Oh, my God. Our words are like verbal cum, <laughs> straight to the ears of the Bunk Bunkers. <laughs> Uh, verbal cum, verbal diarrhea. We've been described as it all, really. Uh, we fit the bill for all those things. Logaria, diarrhea. We got it all, baby. Um, and that's kind of like today's topic, Andy, you know, if you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it yeah. kind of is a lot of different um, space-fearing probes. Yeah. Kind of in the same way that we are intrusive to the, any listener who, you know, we're intrusive into your ears. Mm. In your mind tummy, yeah, probes are intrusive to our uh, planet's atmosphere, yeah, aerospace. I don't know, yeah, yeah, orbit. We're talking about the Black Knight satellite. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but yeah, we're talking about the Black Knight satellite. This is, I mean, for you space freaks, for you, I mean, you space nuts, you, you space freaks, astronauts, you out there. astronauts. I mean, you, you naughty. Nuts. You astronauties. Um, oh, yeah. You're out there with your fucking suits that cut off your circulation. Oh, and... yeah. I mean, if you are a space freak, if you are a probe nut, I mean, if you are just an absolute, you can't get enough orbit, you know, if uh, <laughs> the, if the word retrograde gets you fucking hard and wet. <laughs> I mean, this is the topic for you. Yeah. Space yeah. freaks are going to like this one, though, Space. because this has to do with a supposed ancient alien uh, satellite probe that has been orbiting our planet for possibly over 10,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows what it's doing? Yeah, we don't really know. I mean, that's, well, well, we'll talk about it. A uh, lot of different sightings of this thing. It's a real wild child. You space freaks are going to love it. Uh, if you want to get right to it right away, you don't want to listen to the intro of the show. <laughs> you want to skip. It's going to be like the first... Well, maybe today it'll be like the first 15 to 20, but you know, it'll, it'll be short. But um, if you want to skip the 10,000 year wait to get to the actual topic, yeah, there's 10,000 years before the research actually begins. You want to get to the story, the topic, look in the show notes, look in the episode description. There will be a timestamp that will bring you to when exactly the research begins. The story starts because first Andy and I got to talk about a bunker sighting. Oh yeah. We have a uh, look. Um, Full disclosure, Art and I are back in the bunker. We're back in the bunk! 
bunk. Uh, we famously bunk. have been set. Into bunk to bunk with my bunk. Cause I'm bunk loose on the noose. Yeah, yeah, and then get me high and bring it up out and bring it back My yeah. bunk drive. Yeah, you said it. My uh, knives. We're really on the razor's edge here. Um, you know, uh, everybody, uh, we're back in black. It's bunk Scott. Bunk. <laughs> Also destined to one day choke on its own vomit. <laughs> um, we are back in the bunker. Um, we have famously been quarantined for months, uh, yeah. decades um, away from the bunker. Um, and we're back. Uh, we're back. Peon Musk is our chauffeur to the bunker, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in his autonomous uh, bunkala. Um, but... Uh, we are back. Nevertheless, Mr. Bunker is not here with us. Uh, he's still traveling. Um, he's not worried about us getting him sick. He already had coronavirus. Uh, he's really more or less, I think, tired of our shenanigans, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we wore him down um, and he's unsubscribed from us. And so he's still traveling the globe. He's having a great time. Oh, yeah. Um, and... He's still out there interacting with you, bunk funkers. The people. The people. Um, still being spotted. Uh, and this week is is really no different. Uh, we have another red hot spanking brand new erotic Mr. Bunker sighting. Goodness. Um, now, I one, haven't read this one yet. This uh, is yeah, new this to is, me. This is, this is going to be a surprise to Art. Um, this comes to us from our very good friend, a very loyal bunk funker, uh, Heba. Heba. Um, Heba has uh, been uh, maybe not an OG by Heba's own admission, but certainly from very early on and has been uh, very engaged with us um, throughout the course of our abductions. Um, and Heba's had a, been cited a couple of different times with Bunker. I think Heba's being targeted uh, by Mister Bunker for what purposes we don't know. Um, but here's 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 the most recent uh, sighting uh, from Heba. Uh, I think I saw Mister Bunker in a Salt Lake City park, Liberty Park. I was out walking my dogs on the one nice day we've had this week. When what do I spy with my little eye? Mister Bunker. Parentheses. I suspect it was him. It was a little hard to see his face, in parenthesis, fervently French-kissing his Sasquatch bestie. This is Jesus P- Christ. Peon Musk. Oh, my goodness. And I'm talking indecent, tongue, tongues <laughs> flapping, hips grinding, oh God. dry humping PDA. Ugh. I tried to take a picture to prove this happened, but every photo came out completely green. <laughs> this must be some sort of new bunk tech. Also... I think the new company may be based out of Utah because apparently we're the next Silicon Valley. Anyways, I thought I'd share this nightmare fuel with you too. That is a, so, I mean, that is a bunker sighting for the ages. That is textbook. I mean, there's so much to pick apart here. There's so much. First of all, yes. Salt Lake city is uh, getting a big tech boom. Yeah. A lot of tech jobs out there. It's because uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's because the, salinity level of the water is most efficient in cooling down processors, right? Is that true? 
I don't know. Oh, you're fucking, <laughs> I made that up. You're fucking with me. As far I, as I know, at first I thought you were saying with. that there's literally silicon in the water. I mean, if I had to guess. And now you're saying that it's. And then you were like, "Well, the water could actually cool down." And I was like, "Okay, well." Uh, I said maybe. salinity. Salinity. I don't know what salt, the fuck that salt means. Level. It's the salt. Serenity. Lake. Salinity. Serenity now. <laughs> you know, if I had to guess, I would say it's probably because Utah has really favorable uh, tax. Yeah, it's. It's got to be cheap as fuck to live like out there, cor- right? Corporations, so that would be my guess. I mean, it's beautiful out there. I, I, I would I, love to go to Utah sometime. Oh my God, Zion National Park! Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah, for sure. Art Zionist New Vegas you DLC? Are you kidding me? You Joshua just heard Graham? You just heard it. Art's a Zionist. Wants to go to Zion National Park. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Zionist. <laughs> uh, um, no, Utah is beautiful. I've never been out there, but uh, from pictures I've seen and video games I've played, were that are set there. <laughs> No, you got Yellowstone, you got uh, Zion Nationals Park, you've got Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch is out there, dude. Yeah, that's in Utah. Well, that's in Wyoming, right? That's in Utah. Fuck, I can't remember. You got Skinwalker Ranch, you got the Bear Lake Monster. Oh my God, you can go get a Raspberry Shake? Yeah, Raspberry Shakes. Um, Sounds great out there in Utah. Yeah. If you're if you're listening from Utah, hey, we're big fans. Uh, and we've never even been there. Can you imagine <laughs> if we went there? Can you imagine how big we'd be into it if we went there? This is just on reputation alone. But no, yeah, a lot of a lot of tech jobs out there in Salt Lake. Um, so there you go. So uh first of all, let's, you know, we we covered that point. Second of all, um, this is disgusting. <laughs> this is just so gross. Yeah. Uh, what sick. I mean, I don't know where Peon is. He's somewhere in the bunker. He's hearing some commotion in the back um i think he's whipping up some some food for himself or something i think he was talking about making an eggs benedict for himself so i think that's what he's having um he's weird he exclusively eats eggs benny the holidays not very good no no it's broken it's It's so gross yeah he's really he really should have started with something more simple for him it's like you can tell he doesn't understand the concept of like the hollandaise because it's basically just like greasy scrambled eggs with lemon juice yeah and i mean you know i think he just gets really bored when he's stuck in the bunker here a lot because i mean he's watching a lot of like cooking shows uh but anyway i mean what is this mr bunker making out with peon musk grinding hip grinding a dry humping even I mean, this is starting to sound like a middle school dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is disgusting. I mean, look, so let's get some fucking chaperones. I mean, we are like almost every week getting some new information on the relationship between these two. Uh, and I don't know what to make of it at this point. You know, before it was like we thought, A, he's, you know, we couldn't figure out why he murdered a Sasquatch to begin with. Right. right. Like that was a baffling thing. Well, then we see that he reanimated the Sasquatch to be the the Sasquatch to be the head of Bunkla, Peon Musk. Sasquatch is Sasquatch. Uh, <laughs> That's one of those watches that you get where you push a button and it it talks back to you. <laughs> Could also be like a neighborhood Sasquatch. Time for you is- to shut up. <laughs> but. He reanimated the Sasquatch to be the head of Bunkla. He's Peon, became Peon Musk. Uh, look, and then they did some like regular corporate stuff. Uh, but then they well, went then they disc, were disc golfing. golfing. Yeah, <laughs> and Peon Musk didn't do a lot, but he Mr. waited Bunker in the car. Tried to cheat. Yeah, and then just drove away with him. But it's like, 
they were like kind of, kind of buddies, but yeah. now they're separate. But yeah. yet he was also seeing them uh, make out and dry hump. Um, they have, I don't, I don't know what's going on with their relationship. Um, obviously, I mean, they've been spending a lot of time together and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your business partners, you know, you kind of spend a lot of time together. Maybe Mr. Bunker had ulterior motives for reanimating this undead Sasquatch. Wow. Um, are you trying to say that Mr. Bunker reanimated Peon Musk so that he could fall in love with a Sasquatch and have intercourse with a Sasquatch? I mean, you know, I'm not saying it, but I'm not not saying it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, they're. I don't know. Mm. Unless you're trying wow. to do some kind of like shock, jock kind of gorilla da oh. da. <laughs> oh, and that's true. We've seen Peon Musk do a lot of Hickory dice. Hickory dickory dock. Yeah. I suck the Sasquatch cock. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> no one could see that, but I did the over the head uh, smoking. Yeah, uh, the cigarette thing. Can't actually reach my mouth. Uh, uh, the yeah. sun goes down at dusk. I'm fucking Peon Musk. Oh. <laughs> Little boy bunk, go blow your horn. I'm going to watch some Sasquatch porn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Bunker Dice Clay. <laughs> Another wonderful character from the minds <laughs> of your two co-hosts. Um, oh, God. You know, mm. it could be some kind of weird, like, I'm thinking this is like a weird Banksy-esque uh, mm, okay. kind of, I don't know, uh, this is some sort of... Uh, just art piece or something that he's doing? Is he just trying to shock people? Is he just trying to, uh, is he trying to like, is he a Sinead O'Connor kind of person? You know, are we going to see Bunker with a bald head and ripping up a picture of the Pope? Um, Remember when that was the craziest thing you could do? <laughs> Rip up a picture of the Pope. Yeah. On live air and then get banned from SNL. Banned forever. from SNL. Yeah. Yeah. So you think that you think that Bunker went to Liberty Park. Seems like a wonderful park. And, in Salt Lake City, and he did all this stuff uh, to make some kind of statement. I don't know if it's kind of a Dadaism art piece, if it's a statement on love. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you think, Andy. Do I think it's right that Mr. Bunker is having relations with an undead Sasquatch? You're getting into a little necrophilic territory with me. <laughs> Yeah, what are your views on necrophilia? You've never really laid that out for the bug fuckers. I mean, listen, like- I'm no Ian Hamilton. Okay, uh, I will flat out say that I am not into necrophilia. Yeah, I don't, don't think it's okay. We don't know how Ian feels about necrophilia. That's or, true. Or baby kidnapping. That's true. Um, you know, and perhaps, um, well, we're gonna hash that out. I think the yeah. next time they're on the show. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, this necrophilia aspect. I guess I guess I hadn't really considered that, but like, I, maybe you're right. This is Bunker trying to get a loophole to necrophilia. He wants to be a necrophiliac, but he doesn't want to have sex with an actual corpse, so he can Jesus 
do it with a reanimated corpse and people will think that it's not necrophilia. Is it necrophilia if it's alive? I mean, it's undead, I, but I think reanimate. I think I'm with you, Art. I think that counts as necrophilia. Is it though? I mean, on The Walking Dead, if you have sex, if Rick, like if, okay, so on The Walking Dead, uh, Rick used to have a friend who was played by, uh, so yeah, on The Walking Dead, he's got he's got his buddy uh, played by John Barenthal, Shane. He goes, "Hi, right, Rick. Let me ask you something. Rick, let me ask you something. You have sex with one of these walkers. Is it necrophilia? Rick, Rick, let me ask you something. Fuck one of these walkers. Are you fucking a dead body? Because they're technically still up. Coral! You can't fuck the walkers, Coral! Coral! You've never seen Walking Dead, I, have you? You have no idea no what I'm fucking referencing. Any of this. Coral! Coral! I'm Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes, bitch. Um, <laughs> is it? I mean, is it? If you have sex with a zombie, is it necrophilia? Uh, I think, yeah. Now, there's a fucking philosophy question for you. Huh? <laughs> All right, let's, let's... If you... You and I both saw Game of Thrones. We did. If you mediocre, if you bang just like Walking Dead, one of the army of the undead. Yeah, you bang a White Walker. No, no, the, not the White Walkers. All right, well, did you really need to like bring up? It's still a zombie, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> you had to just... like bring up a different show <laughs> that also involves zombies. Yeah. But I'm just saying, even with the core principles, having sex with a zombie it doesn't matter if it's if, a Game of Thrones zombie or a Walking Dead if zombie. If Jamie Lannister fucked one of those zombies, ah. it would be necrophilia. Nope. Would it? But those, that's what I'm saying. These, those zombies were very clearly like mostly bones. Uh, not even a lot of like what full, the fuck? full corpses. Like if you're, you know, these Walking Dead zombies, what? Oh these are my like, God. These are like with most of the body intact. Well, times. yeah, I guess so, I suppose so. So, I mean, if you if you had sex with a skeleton, that's necrophilia. An, an alive, an animated skeleton, you wouldn't say, oh no, that's that's not a problem. You would say, oh yeah, that's that's necrophilia. That's a dead body. <laughs> what the fuck? I just you gotta draw. You mean <laughs> you gotta draw a line. You gotta you gotta go to the the core, and the yep. core is the skeleton. If you fuck a skeleton, that's necrophilia. But so no matter the amount of flesh, if it's reanimated, what I guess the question here is what is life? Yeah, reanimation to me does not equal life. True, you're kind of a uh, a proxy or a servant of your necromancer, right? Right. You're, in some ways, I guess not in the Walking Dead case, but in the Walking Dead case, they're just kind of. They're controlled by the virus, I guess, and they're just sort of brain, like they have one motive, which is to consume live things. Aren't, aren't zombies typically described as being in a state of living death? So the overriding- This is a gray area. So the overriding property of a zombie is death. Right. They are dead. Right. But they are living dead. They're a subcategory of death. Right. Is what you're saying. Right. They're- they're a subset. Un, undeath. They're a subset of dead things. Right. I think in most cases, but I think, Andy, I think we found the answer. This is what Mr. Bunker wanted us to discuss. Wow. For the philosophy of necrophilia. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Heba, uh, let us know if you considered the philosophy of necrophilia when you saw that. 
So we can really rate the effectiveness of Mr. Bunker's display. You know, also, I mean, I can't deny that probably Peon Musk and Mr. Bunker are probably just a couple of horn dogs. Yeah, yeah. There's a good chance that they had nothing to do with any of that, that they just wanted to fuck each other. And wow. they couldn't wait, and they did it in a park. Um, some people get off on that in a public place. Yeah, some people are into that weird shit. Yeah. Um, I don't think you should do it, though. Don't fuck in sanitary. a park. It's not very sanitary. It's not very sanitary. You know, not everybody wants to see you fuck. Yeah. Not everyone should see you fuck. That's true. Well, anyway, I mean, wow. Uh, you know, hey, bunk funkers, if you really want to fucking write in and let us know what you think about the philosophy of necrophilia, where's the line? Yeah. <laughs> where's the line with it? <laughs> um, let us know. Email us, Mr. Bunker Pod, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. Boy, what a way to start off a what topic a- on aliens and probes. Wow. Yeah. What a. <laughs> We're off to a rocking start. Oh, here. yeah, baby. Rock hard start. Um, well, Andy, I mean, we don't have we don't have any um, we don't have any bunker alarm recipients right now. Fresh out. So, again, bunk funkers, uh, if you want to get a bunker alarm in your name. Obviously, the bunker alarm segment, for those of you who don't know, if this is your first episode, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, be, you gotta get you're thrown into the deep end. an introduction. <laughs> um, and uh, never a better time to start than right now. Uh, you know, we do a segment called the Bunker Alarm, which is where we kind of give a shout out, either musical or with a uh, a synchronized, perfectly synchronized uh, sound clip or mm-hmm, sound mm-hmm. effect generated by the um, wonderful Bunk Tech Three Thousand um, Bunker Alarm machine. And uh, if you would like to get one in your name, all you have to do is really ask, you know, submit an episode topic. Yeah. Uh, or join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod at any level, any tier, really. Yeah. That's an automatic. Well, no, actually, I only think uh, tier five and up. Oh, okay. Well, so sorry. But I don't know. Well, f- you could still write in. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You still write in. Which means more work for you. But if it's worth it, and it will be worth it, hear that perfectly synced alarm. That's true. Um, but there's a lot of other fun perks. You can get access to our Patreon-only show. Um, Andy and Art Debunked. Andy and Art Debunked, which is a real fun show where we, you know, get real loose, debunk myths, talk about pop culture conspiracy stuff. Good time. So um, consider joining if you have the means and you want to support the show. So anyway, Andy, I mean, I think it's time to blast off here. Yeah, let's... Uh, Let's uh, set our phasers to kill and let's uh, ignite our rockets and shoot off into the stars. We're going into orbit here, Andy. Let's uh, break the surly bonds of the bunker and <laughs> head into outer space. Outer space. We're going to orbit the planet. We're going to orbit the whole fucking enchilada, planet the whole enchilada here this week on Mr. Bunker's Computer Night Podcast with the Black Knight Satellite. Andy, can you imagine being out in space, just just floating, just orbiting the Earth for the rest of your life, you know? Honestly, Art, I can. Floating through space seems comforting 
to me because floating and doing literally nothing uh, happens to be one of the activities I'm best at in life. Now, I agree with that, Andy, both that you are good at doing absolutely nothing and that floating endless, endlessly through space would be a great job. Can you mm. imagine getting paid for that? What a job. You would do nothing. I would do nothing. Maybe once every full orbit around the planet, we would pass each other. And just say hi. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I'm doing at that point. I, I, I might be busy. I mean, we would, we, Andy, we would be doing nothing, though. Okay, well, just, you know, shoot me a text when we're passing each other in, in retrograde, and I'll, uh, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Wow. Well, Andy, you might not say hi to me, but, you know, maybe our third wheel joining us on our orbit over the globe, uh, maybe they'll say hi to me. Mm, we'll see. Maybe they're busy. That's right, Andy. That's the subject of today's topic, the Black Knight Satellite. Little uh, little background here. For all you space freaks, there are almost 3,000, isn't that, isn't that nuts? 3,000 operational satellites currently in orbit around the Earth. But that's obviously not including the amount of dead satellites still in orbit, which is almost double that number. And this also doesn't include the insane amount of space junk orbiting the Earth. Here's a little figure for you space freaks out there. There's an estimated 670,000 pieces of, de of debris, space junk, orbiting the Earth in space. Now, this is, this is space junk that is larger than one centimeter. You go down to one millimeter and it's even bigger. I mean, millions. Yeah. Now, this could be, you know, these, these one centimeter objects could be anything from various like little nuts and bolts left behind from various spacecraft operations or um you know left behind astronauts working on spacecraft what have you it's crazy either way to think now what's even crazier is that today's topic the black knight satellite could be an object orbiting our very planet of extraterrestrial origin and it has quite a history with instances of being tracked from earth even before the launch of earth's first satellite sputnik one and could it be part of a NASA cover-up of over 60 years. Let's talk about orbits. Now look, you bunk funkers know we are no eggheads. I mean, sure, I did play Kerbal Space Program. And sure, I did launch my Kerbals into space. And sure, the rocket I built was shaped like a penis. And sure, it did come crashing back down and burnt up in the atmosphere. And sure, I did spend the rest of my time playing Kerbal Space Program designing other phallic-shaped spacecraft. Okay. Okay. I did it. God. Anywho, typically when something orbits the Earth, which is the case with the Black Knight satellite, or BKS, it has to be purposefully placed there, with the exception of the moon and a selection of asteroids. There are different types of orbit, uh, but for the purposes of this episode, know that the BKS is supposedly a geocentric orbit, meaning it orbits the Earth. When an object orbits the Earth, there are two factors at play, the gravitational pull of the Earth on the object and the speed at which the object is deployed. All objects in orbit need to make adjustments and calibrations to avoid collision with other objects in orbit. And also, the objects are always falling toward the Earth sideways, but because of the curvature of the Earth, they never crash into it. Now, the speed of the object and its fuel can keep it deployed for hundreds of years, 
But allegedly, the BKS has been in orbit for over 10,000 years. So this thing might be powered by that dang Energizer bunny. (laughs) So the Black Knight satellite is some kind of alien satellite or artifact orbiting the Earth and has allegedly been here for over 10,000 years. That's pretty wild. Its origin is a little murky and consists of mainly seemingly unconnected sightings which and, and occurrences throughout history, which we'll get into. But it all starts with Nikola Tesla. Over a century ago, none other than Nikola Tesla, one of the greatest scientists, I mean, arguably known to Earth, claimed to have received recorded electrical signals at his lab in Colorado Springs, where he claimed which he claimed were of extraterrestrial origin, specifically from Mars. Tesla had been working on his Wardenclyffe Tower, also called the Tesla Tower, which he planned to use as the prototype for a global wireless communication system, which would broadcast music, news, stock market reports, secured military communications, even images around the world, using the Earth itself as a conductor. It was essentially the early 1900s equivalent to Wi-Fi. It's pretty fucking, it's nuts. Anyway, while at work, Tesla received some signals which he deduced were not of earthly origin and were not the result of weather-related effects. He believed the signals were coming to Earth from Mars, so he designed a device to send signals back out in an attempt to make contact. Tesla wrote about this experience in an article titled Talking with the Planets in Collier's Weekly in early 1901. Theorists now believe the signals that Tesla received We're from the Black Knight Satellite. Continuing on this egghead route for you space freaks, an amateur radio operator in Norway, Jorgen Halls, also received some strange radio transmissions. In 1927, Halls was the first to encounter what are now known as long-delayed echoes, or LDEs. But back then, they had no clue what to make of this phenomenon. Halls heard echoes of of the original radio transmission message which isn't out of the ordinary. Echoes are typically heard about one-seventh of a second after the original message, which is the amount of time it takes to travel once around the Earth. But Halls was hearing echoes up to three seconds after the original transmission and demonstrated a severe uh, declension in amplitude that wouldn't be expected if the signal had made several trips around the Earth. Halls had no clue what to make of this phenomenon, only, only that he heard it. And to be honest, LDEs have set off a wild investigation into what causes them with multiple hypotheses, but frankly, no clear answer. Well, except for Stanford professor Ron Bracewell, who proposed that these echoes may have been the product of an alien probe picking up the original transmission and rebroadcasting them back toward the Earth. Bracewell built this into a larger theory of the Bracewell probe, quote-unquote, Uh, which was an autonomous interstellar probe designed to communicate with alien civilizations. As you can probably guess, some theorists believe that none other than the Black Knight satellite is responsible for echoing these radio transmissions and causing the delay. The BKS explanation for the LDE phenomenon was expanded on in 1973 by Duncan Lunan. Um, Duncan believed that these LDEs were actually too strong to simply just be echoes of an original radio transmission message. Duncan looked into the LDE data from 1927 and believes he found signals which he decoded into this message. Start here. Our home is Epsilon Bootes, which is a double star. We live on the sixth planet of seven. 
Check that. Sixth of seven. Counting outwards from the sun, which is the larger of the two. Our sixth planet has one moon. Our fourth planet has three. Our first and third planets each have one. Our probe is in the orbit of your moon. This updates the position of Arcturus shown on our maps. The message supposedly originated from a point between the orbits of the Earth and the moon called the L5. Along with this, Duncan found varying delays in the echoes and when mapped on a graph, formed a map of Epsilon Bootes, a binary star in the Bootes system. Now, he made the discovery in 1972. The only problem is the star system he mapped was not actually how it looked in the skies in 1972. So then Duncan realized that if there really was an alien probe echoing back these signals, then it was probably sending back a map that displayed how the constellation looked at the time of the probe's launch. Sure enough, the map matched how Epsilon Bootes looked some 13,000 years ago. So if Duncan is to be believed, then that means there was an ancient alien civilization probe that has been orbiting our planet since prehistory. Obviously, many theorists believe that this very alien probe is the Black Knight satellite. In 1954, the news broke a story about the U.S. Air Force discovery of two satellites which were apparently orbiting Earth. The problem with this is that the U.S. hadn't launched any satellites into orbit, and neither had the Soviets, nor had any major country on Earth. In fact, the first artificial satellite, Sputnik 1, wouldn't be launched by the Soviets for another three years in 1957. Also in 1954, famed marine naval aviator turned ufologist Donald Kehoe, was, who was a prolific UFO author and founder of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, uh, Phenomena, I should say, or NICAP, also reported on these mysterious orbiting satellites. Kehoe's claim was picked up by the San Francisco Examiner and St. Louis Post-Dispatch. In the articles, he also said that the Secretary of the Air Force, Harold Talbot, was aware of the satellites and had even witnessed a silvery disc-shaped object in the sky. So just what the hell were these two objects orbiting the planet? Well, many theorists believe they are some type of alien satellite or probe, and possibly the Black Knight satellite. The Pentagon was reportedly furious about the release of this story, and they quickly tried to put out a story claiming these objects were just asteroids. The problem was that the U.S. wasn't the only country to notice these objects. A few years later, in 1957, after the launch of Sputnik 1, the Venezuelan Communications Ministry also noticed these two orbiting objects while they were tracking Sputnik. But they also noticed that these objects were moving in retrograde orbit, or east to west. This is peculiar because no artificial satellite at the time, and for some time thereafter, would be in retrograde orbit because retrograde orbit is going against the Earth's rotation, which is more difficult and fuel-intensive than going with the Earth's orbit and using its gravitational pull to propel your craft. So, either these were indeed asteroids, which is a rare occurrence for asteroids to be caught in orbit around the Earth, the Soviets lied about Sputnik being the first artificial satellite, or we're dealing with extraterrestrial satellites in our orbit. Another interesting fact often attributed to the Black Knight satellite is that it was also circling the Earth in a polar orbit, which was something not achieved by earthly designed satellites until 1959 with the launch of Discoverer 1. Polar orbit is typically used for reconnaissance and tracking, 
So that begs the question, is the BKS some kind of mapping probe keeping track of all of our whereabouts? I don't give a damn, Art. If these dang aliens want to know how many trips I'm taking to the bathroom, then let them see it. Well, Andy, your bowel movements have been a matter of national security for a long time. I mean, so it makes sense why aliens would want to know. I'm considered a chemical weapon by the UN Security Council. I can't be in war because I'm illegal. <laughs> You're very dangerous. I'm combustible. <laughs> you set me off, you'll regret it. Jesus. This guy's got a temper, buckfuckers. The combination of retrograde and polar orbits on these uh, sided satellites is particularly interesting because it's somewhat unusual and, you know, it's a little complex. And earthly satellite technology was you know, still in its infancy at the time. In 1960, the U.S. Navy's dark fence radar system detected a large black object in polar orbit around the Earth. They calculated it possibly weighing as much as 15 tons. Now, the Soviets in the U.S. barely had the capability to put a satellite in polar, polar orbit, let alone one weighing that much. I think I read a fact that said the most they could get was 2,000 pounds. Wow. So, one ton. Yeah. And just like the sightings in the 1950s, this sighting was covered up by the Pentagon. They claimed it was just space debris from a Discoverer rocket launch. Now, the 1960 sighting is also special in that it was when the Black Knight satellite first got its name. It's believed that it is attributed to the British Black Knight, that's Knight with a K, uh, program, which was a sort of ballistic research missile, missile program. It was testing if they could send missiles kind of out into orbit and then have them re-enter. But supposedly, someone thought that the object that they saw, uh, uh, that they detected in the 1960s, was part of the British program. But it wasn't. They were unrelated. Regardless, the name just stuck. It's a good name. It is a good name. Now, the Grumman Aircraft Corporation in New York was also able to snap a few pics of this strange object. When they released them, the satellite became easier to track in the night sky. People could track this thing in the night sky as a glowing red dot, moving at higher speeds than other satellites and in east-to-west orbit. Now let's switch gears here and talk about a real high flyer, Gordon Cooper. Cooper was a prolific military pilot, later turned astronaut extraordinaire. He was the youngest of the Mercury 7, uh, which is not only the name of Art and I's sci-fi-themed techno group, Check us out on Spotify, but also the first original seven American astronauts to go into space as part of Project Mercury. Cooper was a huge believer in UFOs. He swore until his dying breath that the U.S. government was covering up the existence of UFOs, and he claimed to have seen tons of them, as many other pilots have while up in the skies. In 1963, while in Earth's orbit, Cooper claimed to see a glowing green light ahead of his Mercury 9 module spacecraft. Could this have been attributed to the Black Knight satellite? The story put forth officially, quote-unquote, was that Cooper had suffered hallucinations from an excess of carbon dioxide in his cabin. But like we mentioned, the man was a UFO believer until his final days. A similar experience befell Major James McDivitt two years after Cooper while passing over Hawaii in Gemini 4. McDivitt claims to have seen a long, white, cylindrical object with protruding angular arms flying close to his capsule. Now, even the Condon Committee, a U.S. Air Force-funded group investigating UFOs, was unable to find a rational explanation for McDivitt's sighting. 
describing it as, quote, especially puzzling. The Black Knight satellite is most often, however, attributed to some images released from Space Shuttle Endeavor's 1998 voyage into space. These pictures depicting a large, unidentifiable black mass in an odd shape are most often cited as evidence of the BKS. But what do skeptics make of the Black Knight satellite? What sort of rational explanation is given to the idea that there is an alien probe orbiting our planet? Well, as we kind of mentioned up top, one of the main arguments is that everything about the BKS is just a bunch of disconnected events barely stitched together to create one kind of cohesive UFO conspiracy? Skeptics point out that a lot of the Black Knight satellite descriptions are completely different. The sizes, colors, shapes, appearances, they all vary in some way with each so-called sighting. Even the satellite that Duncan Lunan proposed was orbiting even the satellite that Duncan Lunan proposed was orbiting the moon, not the earth. In fact, Lunan later recanted his findings, not because the message wasn't there in the recordings, but because he no longer believed Epsilon Boötes could sustain intelligent life. Lunan still believes there is intelligent life out there and that extraterrestrials account for the findings in the recordings. However, he completely denounces the connection to the Black Knight satellite, saying it is, quote, nonsense. And in the case of the infamous BKS images from the 1998 Endeavour's space shuttle, NASA has repeatedly said this floating black object is actually a thermal cover dropped during a spacewalk. So while on a spacewalk, an astronaut was asked to cover the ISS space station's trunion pins with thermal covers. See, the ISS was being built at the time, and well, they were working on attaching the American module to the already existing Russian one. These thermal covers would cover the trunion pins, which were sort of uh, pins that helped join you know, the two pieces together, and the covers would help prevent heat loss from the exposed pins. Well, one of the covers wasn't attached properly, and off came the cover, and it floated away from the space station. <laughs> wow. What a friggin' dummy. Jesus. All right, I'm sorry to get into stereotypes here, but this is another case of the classic lazy, dumb astronaut. What a stereotype. Jesus. I mean, sure. I could be an astronaut. It ain't that hard. If NASA paid me to train and paid for my ride out into space, I mean, come on. Andy. Dumb fucking astronauts. <laughs> you are really fucking asking Buzz Aldrin to come kick your ass. It's a fair and evenly matched fight. And I think Dana White is just too friggin' scared to book this fight. Get us on Fight Island. Yeah. Bugfuckers, you want to see Andy fight Buzz Aldrin on Fight Island? I mean, for UFC 7 or 8, whatever. I'll rip his catheter out. Oh my god. I assume he's got a catheter in all the time. He's about 90 years old. Anyway, the entire thermal cover incident was captured on video and was given the object number 025570 by NASA. Now, a few days later, the object fell from orbit and burned up in the Earth's atmosphere. And that was it. Well, Funk Funkers, this is it for the story of the Black Knight satellite. We hope this topic hasn't left you floating endlessly in space. But what do you make of the Black Knight satellite? Is there an ancient alien probe orbiting our planet? Is NASA trying to cover up alien messengers? What would you do with all that space junk, all that space junk orbiting around your trunk? Well, only one thing is for sure, dear bunk fuckers. There is a giant plate of the whole enchilada on the Black Knight satellite, and it's orbiting in bunker grade around your mind tummy. 
Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Are you into top 10 lists? What about pop culture? Or maybe you're just a nerd like us. We've got a show for you, loser. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. We're the hosts of the Tennis Podcast, a comedy and edutainment podcast covering a new top tennis list every week, including fun facts and trivia. We've covered lists such as the top 10 most popular 90s songs on Spotify. The deadliest animals. The worst US presidents. The leading causes of death. The best-selling video game franchises. The most common murder methods. Okay, are you going to give one that isn't about death? The deadliest jobs in America. <sighs> Listen to these and countless other top 10 lists every Wednesday at TennisPod.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Top horror villains by their kill count. I think we're done here. If you listen to this podcast, there's a good chance to see you will die. We are the Tennis Podcast. That's one zero ish Bye. Hey, Bunkfunkers. This is Art. I'm here with Andy. We just wanted to let you know we recently launched a Patreon page. So if you feel like supporting the show, you can find it at Patreon.com. Slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Becoming a supporter will get you one extra podcast a month of our brand spanking new podcast, Indian Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. Not only that, you'll get a lot more fun perks at each tier. So visit us at patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. That's patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of the Black Knight satellite. I mean, first of all, you know it's an army satellite. My satellite. I didn't even consider that. Because what are the army sports teams? Black Knights. Oh, a little college football connection here, Andy. Mm -hmm. Uh. Well, I was going to say, we know one thing is for certain. It's definitely not the Dark Knight satellite. <laughs> yeah, that one would have blown up the uh, Heinz Where Field. Oh, wait. Where are the humans, Rachel? Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Rachel. Rachel. It's me, Christian Bale. <laughs> I'm orbiting in retrograde polar orbit. Where's the Joker? I'm tumbling ass over tea kettle all around the earth. Rachel. It's retrograde. I saw the Batman. I, I was in a polar guy. orbit going retrograde. That is such an interesting... You really fucking threw me for a loop here, Andy. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta imagine. I didn't even... I didn't even... No, I'm serious. I didn't even... Ah, oh, God! Oh, God! God. Our hit is humorous and it wasn't... Oh, I did, I did. I hit my funny bone a little bit. Oh, God. Tingling. Sorry, bunkfunkers. Oh, he's got a tingling. I'll try and cut that loud noise out of the fucking show, but... Uh, Ouchies. Um, I didn't even consider for a moment that this could possibly be a military satellite that they didn't want anyone to know about. It seems that, that's I'll be honest. I mean, I'm showing my hand a lot here. That's the direction I'm headed on this. I think it was a spy satellite. Wow. I think there's a bunch of interconnected stuff, but I think that the, the this object, you know, like these satellites that they didn't know what they were. I think it's spy satellites. 
So you're saying the 52, the 54 spottings, where it's the two satellites before Sputnik. Yeah, it could be. Or you're saying the big one in 1960. I think probably, I think, think probably the big one. The big one in 1960. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of the older ones specifically. Those are the two weird things, right? I mean, let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah, those two, the two that uh, that Kehoe uh, writes about. Yeah. And I don't know, from from like the research... It kind of feels like people just sort of dismiss that because Kehoe wrote it, right? Yeah. People are like, well, it's just obviously him talking about UFOs. It has nothing to do with anything that was really there. Right. But maybe something was. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like, I don't know. Other I, people are finding this. Other countries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Venezuela's like, spotting stuff. I mean. Yeah, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to like parse that, right? Like, I, you know, that that's the part that's kind of got me going like, eh, well, I don't know. Because it seems like probably there wasn't anything before Sputnik because it's like, why would they, unless, you know, like, I guess I could see Soviets being like testing it yeah, and not knowing if it worked. But I feel like if they tested something and it worked, they would immediately announce that it worked. Right. Because it was it, a big space race. Right. It was the Cold War. I they mean, would want everyone to know like, hey, we got a satellite. In. So right. I don't think they would have kept it a secret. Why is the first satellite you launch a military spy satellite? No, it would be like, a th they were trying to get the the small the little ball that is Sputnik the tiniest little thing you could get into yeah. orbit don't and don't read don't read the story of Sputnik one it's very sad because they launch a fucking dog into space and then Sp that was Sputnik two right mm, I think it was Sputnik one oh Sputnik one had a dog in it too I know for sure Sputnik two had a dog in it maybe it was just Sputnik two regardless it's a very sad story don't look I mean it's just I mean that dog, dog died in space yeah it does not make it yeah uh. And it wouldn't have made it anyway because the thing fucking burnt up on reentry. Right, right. Which is fuck. I mean, it's just like in the pantheon of ways you could die, burning up on reentry, like in an improperly shielded spacecraft. <laughs> How bad do you? think I that think would you be? get knocked out from the heat before you. I think suffocate the gravity and the out. heat and everything. Yeah. I don't think it would be that bad. No, you you'd be. Uh... Cause uh, you ever you ever watch documentaries on uh, on people who like to jump? <laughs> <laughs> what like base jumping or a little bit? Just people who jump up and down. No, I, I watched a fun YouTube video about uh, <laughs> the world record for the highest jump. Okay. <laughs> which uh you know obviously you probably remember the red bull stunt from a few years assisted ago assisted or unassisted like you mean or from the highest height somebody jumped off of no it's a free fall the oh. highest free fall jump oh i see okay so these are people in the I history you mean, like, of it jumping up from the earth no 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 this is people in the, in the history of it is people going up in hot air balloons mm -hmm. and then jumping out of the hot air balloons and parachuting down to the ground yikes some you the thing is the ancient history of it the ancient history the uh I mean, the ancient history is funny, too, because it's like people jumping off of like big cliffs and being like, hey, I survived. <laughs> I made it. Or people would jump off of like buildings and survive with makeshift parachutes. But the dudes in the, the hot air balloon race between these motherfuckers, I mean. Yeah, the, these motherfuckers were nuts. You're, these hot air balloons, dude, you're laughing, but these hot air balloons got really fucking high up there. Yeah. Some of these hot air balloons started getting so high up there, they would go into different uh, stratospheres. I know that's not the right term, but you know what I mean. It goes to a different level of the atmosphere. Right. Low oxygen. These motherfuckers mm -hmm. were passing out. Yeah. 
So then they started, they kept amping it up, camp amping it up. I mean, some of these guys are so nuts. And then obviously you get to airplanes. These, these they're taking it up even farther. I mean, dudes are passing out on the way down, dying, just fucking crashing to the earth, passing out from oxygen loss. So they pass out and then they can't deploy the parachute and they die. Yeah. Ooh. Or, yeah, or there's just like a malfunction or something. Or God, just... wouldn't it be horrible if they miscalculated and just a dead body dropped through the ceiling of your house? <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah, that would be horrible. That would be awful. Um, Yeah, that would really suck, dude. That would really ruin Christmas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Santa! <laughs> no, nah, kids, he's dead. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Santa, San, no Santa magic this year. Nah, sorry, kids. That's one of those jumpers. Yeah, just dressed like Santa. No, but then these motherfuckers, I mean, some of these guys started taking literal like hot air balloon spacecraft that were getting like real far up in the atmosphere to the point where they would start wearing like oxygen gear and stuff. And they would just, you can, and they had like video of it. It's just nuts. You're like up almost in orbit. And then they just fucking jump. Then obviously you had the Red Bull stunt a couple of years ago. Broke the record. Most people don't know this. The record for the Red Bull stunt broke a few years later by a dude who had never done any kind of extreme jumping. He was just a guy. He was just like some professor who was like, oh, that seems neat. Crowdsourced a bunch of money, built his own fucking hot air balloon like rocket type thing, went up, broke the record, jumped and, and landed. Good for him. Yeah, it's nuts. Meanwhile, the Red Bull thing was like this big, they did like all this money. It was like a professional like stunt guy. Like the yeah. dude who did it was like a daredevil type guy. Trained, best fucking spacesuit. This motherfucker built it all himself and did it. I Jesus. mean, it's nuts. I got to see this video. It's a great watch. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> you asked me if I <laughs> know people who like to jump. <laughs> That was what started this. You asked me about people who like to jump. <laughs> you like to jump? You like jumping? I'm a big jumping guy. No, nah, no, nah, not much of a jumper. What the fuck were we talking about? Uh, Something I think, about orbits. I think that you were getting to the point of like free falling. Something to do with free falling. I'm free. Free falling. <laughs> um... Because I, if I, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, we were talking about, we were talking about the two satellites in the fifties and that people dismissed them mm -hmm. as, you know, well, we were talking about the dog in Sputnik dying, dying on reentry. Right. Yeah. Passing out. Yeah. Okay. I think you would pass out. You would pass out from the G forces. You would pass out from the oxygen and the heat. I mean, it would get hot in there yeah. pretty fast. It would yeah. get like 100. It would be like a sauna. It would be like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is. In yeah, do these jumpers have to wear like heat suits? Yeah, they got to wear special suits and shit. Well, mostly for the pressure. Yeah. Because when you're traveling through all those different, there's different pressures and you're, you're entering so fucking fast. Yeah. That like, I think some of these dudes, like their heads exploded. Yikes. They're nuts. Would you ever skydive? Oof. Man, it's tough. I I like a thrill, but I don't know if I like that much of a thrill, if I need that much of a thrill in my life. 
Um, but I also really like backpacks. And so the idea of strapping another human onto my back is kind of fun. See, that's kind of the thing about skydiving that I'm like, you know, it's lame. If it's a reputable school or like a reputable business and like there's somebody professional strapped to you, I'm kind of okay with it. Like, I think it would be a neat kind of experience. It's definitely something you do once and probably don't need to do again. Right. Me. Like, I don't know if I would be like itching to do it every year or anything. What I, here's the thing. I would probably sooner uh, go skydiving than I would go deep sea scuba diving. Does that make sense? Like where you take a craft under the water and then start to scuba dive? Maybe. Or like where you just scuba dive. On you know, your there's own. these dudes who go like deep sea uh, cave. No, scuba I would never do that. Never in a million fucking no. years. I do not need that adrenaline. First of all, I'm too fat <laughs> to ever do that in any sense, even on land. I'm not caving. Go in a Unless cave. it's a well excavated cave, like I'm not, I'm not spelunking. Okay, right? Yeah, like I'm not, not I'm not going to explore on my own. That's another thing. I, I, I'd rather go skydiving than an ever go spelunking. Another YouTube series I sometimes watch is I watch this guy thing? who bought a abandoned um, ghost town in like the mountains of California. It used oh, to be a gold cool. town, and he, this motherfucker, just like goes into the abandoned mines, like squeeze, like. Squeeze like his body's like this. He's squeezing through all these abandoned mines. You know how dangerous that is. Yeah, that's really dangerous. One of these things collapses. Yeah. I mean, you're dead, brother. Yeah, I wouldn't do. I would never do anything like that. I'd been, sooner skydive. I've been in a cavern before. Yeah, and that's fine. Like I don't have any problems with that. But it's like I wouldn't be one of the people doing something like that. Like going in an abandoned. You'd mine sooner cavern. skydive than do that. Yeah, for sure. I think. I think the thing about skydiving is you you understand the risks and it's very controlled, right? Right. The variables are very like, it's like, what are my variables? Well, I'm falling through the air, the parachute, the parachute, the parachute's the variable. And you go someplace where they do all the checking of the gear and they make sure that everything works. And, and there's a backup. And there's a backup and yada, yada. And there's you're no with, fucking backup for spelunking. Right. And you're with somebody <laughs> who can help. Like you're literally attached to the person who can help you. So you have what? Let's four parachutes. Because, you know, it's like it's that thing. Some people go skydiving and they do pass out. Like mm -hmm. because of the fear or whatever. They pass out. They have the person strapped to them. So they land safely. It's no big deal. Unless you shit yourself. And then you got your shit all over the person's crotch. <laughs> I think you have suits, but maybe I think I no, think not me. Naked. Oh, you you had to go to a special skydiving school the where they skydiver. human centipeded yeah. your ass to the dude's crotch with your spacesuits. <laughs> no, no, it was human centipede. Somebody's some <laughs> the instructor's mouth is in my anus. <laughs> you have a you went to a very special. You you only wanted to go to a skydiving school where you sixty nine with the dude that you're <laughs> fucking skydiving with. They call it falling fast and eating ass. <laughs> And baby, there's no better thrill. <laughs> Falling fast in ass. It's like, yeah, I went skydiving. Oh, wow, that's crazy. You're the guy. Yeah, but uh, the guy's face was in my crotch and his crotch was in my I 69. Is that normal? They said it was to prevent like us spinning out of control. Yeah, I went skydiving over the weekend. Oh, God, <laughs> I cummed so hard. What are you talking about? What? You mean what do you mean? From the 69ing? <laughs> this guy did such a good job. It was super hot. Why were you 69ing while skydiving? Um, God, now I'm thinking like, 
Have they ever shot a porn while skydiving? Has anyone ever done that? I've never seen skydiving porn, but I would imagine that you could someone do it. Johnny Knoxville almost did it. Johnny Knoxville or Steve-O, I think it was Steve-O, skydove and jacked off. Did you hear about this? No. I watch a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, I watch yeah. a lot of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, lot of uh, YouTube videos about people falling through the air. <laughs> like all your recommended videos are skydiving adjacent. Um, no, it was Steve-O, I think. He, he talked about it on a podcast or a thing. The cra- One of the craziest things he ever did. He skydived and then... So while the plane was going up, he had porn on a, like a little... One of those portable DVD players. You remember those things? Mm-hmm. He's watching it and he was trying to jerk off. And like get himself ready so that when he skydived, he shot his fucking wad. He shot his load while in the sky. Yeah. And I don't remember why. I think it was just for a a funny game. Another Red Bull record. <laughs> Red Bull record. Um Yeah, skydiving. I mean, I, I think you're I'm with you. If if you got like a group together and y'all went for like a big thing, you know. I'm not super afraid of heights. Sometimes though, I get a little a plane is different. You're so, you're up so fucking high. When you're on top of like a building, a really tall building, and the railing only comes up to like your tummy, that's a little uneasy because you're like, someone could push me over. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would feel different like standing in that door getting ready to jump out of an airplane. True. You know what I mean? Like that would feel weird. But uh, like being in an airplane, like I don't see that as a height thing, right? Because yeah. like when you take, like if you're on a commercial flight, I don't know, I guess... It's like you're way up high, but I I don't know. I don't see it that way. It's almost like yeah, you're segregated from that because of the airplane, the body of the airplane. You're putting your trust into somebody else's preparation in either way. Anytime yeah. you're flying. Yeah. You're putting your trust in that the air traffic controller is fucking locked into his job, that the uh, pilot, which, you know, I know that commercial airlines, the pilots aren't necessarily flying the plane, but that they're not fucking around up there and, uh, you know, getting drunk. And uh, it's kind of the same way with skydiving. You're just adding a layer of, like, I hope whoever packed this parachute, uh, you know, did it while they were alert and checked in, you know? Right, right. But you got to think they have a system. I'll say this. I think I would rather skydive than almost anything else jumping-related. like Face jumping or, like, you can break your neck. jumping. Or your leg. Yeah, like, I mean, those things, like the parachute adds so much comfort to me, way more comfort than a bungee cord. Yeah, it's that act of, like, hurtling towards the ground mm-hmm. and then coming back up, uh, which is, like, it's just too much. I saw a video uh, not that long ago of somebody ziplining across, like, a canyon, but, like, not using the, like, proper equipment. And so, like, the zip line is, like, they're like shearing off the zip line as they go, you know, like the outside of the zip line. And there's like smoke coming off of oh, it from God. the friction. That was pretty terrifying. Uh, I was in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> well, End of story. So, no, I was anyway. in the Dominican Republic and we took a uh we took a cable car from like where the city was like all the way up into some of the mountains. And uh that was pretty I mean, I mean, we were packed in like sardines on this fucking thing. And this is, these are rickety. These are old cable cars. 
swinging back and forth, going up this old zip line. You're like, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know? It's it's unnerving. You know what's real scary to me is somebody jumping on an elevator. Like while an elevator's moving, somebody jumps. That's friggin' terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I find comfort in elevators. I don't know. Some people get freaked out by elevators. They're they're not claustrophobic. Um, oh, I don't have any. I, but like you know, the, getting locked in an elevator is actually like something I would look forward to. You know, have you? I don't ever, have to do anything until I get rescued. Oh, have, you, have you ever been in an elevator though, in like a really tall building? And you know, like I don't think a lot of people, if you've never been in a tall building, you probably don't realize that the building sways. It does with the wind. Like all the buildings have to be built. A little bit springy, especially here, because otherwise they'll just kind of fall over. When it's truly windy here, you feel it. Right. And you so, hear it. Like if you're in a big building, like you and I were in the Empire State Building together, like the Empire State Building is 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 a little bit springy. It's it's moves. It's like if, so windy. If you're in a if you're in the elevator, you can feel that movement. Like you can yes. feel the elevator sway with the wind if there's if it's windy. I don't even like feel real scared about that because it's like I understand it, but like somebody jumping while inside a moving elevator like just makes me think like oh god the cable's gonna snap we're gonna plummet. That would be terrifying because the thing you don't the thing you don't think about is that the elevator shaft goes probably below the floor, like where you get off the elevator at the ground isn't probably the bottom of the shaft. <laughs> yeah, and you're hurtling down. I mean, you're picking like you're free, up some. You're real. free falling basically. Yeah, you can free fall through the earth. You're right. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of G-forces, but I think you could survive it if you jump at the right time, right? I think yeah. they did that on Mythbusters that it's like... Yeah, if you match the... If you match... If you understand when it's going to hit and stuff, or like probably if you got off of the floor, like assuming that the elevator yeah. cart doesn't just like crumple. Depends on how far it falls. Probably a lot of variables. Too many variables. Yeah. But that dog did die for sure. Sputnik <laughs> that Sputnik dog's for sure dead. It's 100% dead. I mean. <laughs> but think how many animals died in space. Dogs, monkeys. Yeah, we sent monkeys into space. I don't know if we sent any dogs. Um. Yeah, I don't know did about we? that. I, don't, I guess I don't know that for a fact. I would assume, yeah. But I don't know that for sure. But a lot of animals have been killed in, because of us humans trying to like go to space. Yeah. Uh, it's cruel. Yeah, it's cruel. There is, though, a silver lining. There is a Curious George book. Uh, Curious George gets a medal where Curious George bails out. That's the term they use. I don't know why I find that so funny. Bails out of a spacecraft in orbit. What? <laughs> why? I don't, know, they just, I don't know. They want to test it. I'm out of here, dude. The director of the <laughs> I'm bailing. Piece. See, George, George spills ink all over the floor trying to write a letter. And he fills uh, a room in the house with suds and water, trying to clean it up. Um, and he realizes that he needs more than just whatever tools he's got to get the water out. So he goes to a neighboring farm to get a pump. Um, and in the process, he lets out all the farmer's pigs. Oh, Jesus Christ. He hooks the pump to a cow. And the cow and he are going back to the house. But then the farmers notice that the pigs are out. So they herd the pigs back up into the pen. They go chasing after George and the cow. George gets freaked out, hides in a shirt uh, on some laundry, on like hanging out on the line. A truck drives by. George jumps on the back of the truck. The truck's going to the museum. He gets out at the museum. Uh, he 
goes, he sees a display for dinosaurs, like a stuffed dinosaurs. There's a tree there with coconuts, which for some reason, H.A. Ray always calls nuts, just nuts, which I think is real. I don't know. Like, why does he say nuts? Like, I don't know. But anyway, there's nuts on the tree. George wants the nuts. He's grabbing at the nuts on the tree. The whole thing comes crashing down. He gets thrown out of the museum. The director of the museum, Dr. Wiseman, is pissed off. Well, turns out that the letter George got at home was from Dr. Wiseman asking him to do this space flight because he heard he was a clever monkey. So the man with the yellow hat shows up right at the, just at the right time when they're about to drag George off to the zoo uh, and lets everybody know that, hey, drag him off to the fucking prison. This is the monkey that Dr. Wiseman wants. So Dr. Wiseman says, I'll forgive you for all this destruction if you go into this spacecraft and bail out when we give you the signal. And George does it, gets a medal. First... (laughs) First monkey in space or whatever, national hero George's, even the farmers, all forgiven. The lady, you find out at the end, a lady cleaned up the house. That's she comes, she comes to the sub. She never shows up anywhere else in the book. You don't know about her until the very end. And she cleaned up, she cleaned up the mess. Everybody's there. Wow. Can't believe George, what a great job. Jumped out of this, parachuted out of this spacecraft. It was the happiest day of George's life. And that's It ends with him being the happiest day of his life. And when he was getting hauled off to the zoo, he was so embarrassed. It literally says he wished he were dead. Whoa, holy shit. He were dead. So that's fucking deep. Emotional book. Wow. George gets a medal. Bunkfunkers, please come back to the, your local library where Andy will be, you know, Andy will, won't be reading any stories. Telling. He'll just be retelling curious George, uh, stories in yeah. his own cadence and way uh fucking what a little fucking piece of shit what a shitter yeah that curious george is curious george, he's a little too curious sometimes yeah it gets him into trouble that's destruction of property right trespassing right right um i mean you know there's a lot of things that he was doing yeah yeah the man in the yellow hat really i think in some ways needs to be I mean, it doesn't come up a lot, but I would have to imagine that at some point the man with the yellow hat took out a substantial, like, (laughs) excess liability insurance policy. Because, I mean, honestly, (laughs) like, and that's and that's the real curious George story (laughs) that you want to see and you've been pitching. Yeah, yeah, I've been pitching that (laughs) the man with the curious George and the excess and the umbrella liability insurance (laughs) policy. (laughs) Curious George and the well-funded four hundred one k. I like the one where Curious George caused the uh, stock market crash. That was a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, Curious George and the bubonic plague. <laughs> Curious George and the Oklahoma City bombing. That was a great one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one where uh, the man with the yellow hat and George are like getting ready to go on vacation and they go to the airport and... George starts flying a plane and it crashes into the World Trade Center towers. (laughs) Oh, God. Holy shit. Curious, George. You are way too fucking curious. A lot of monkey shines. This is all this monkey business. (laughs) Anyway, Andy, uh, we got to get back to the Black Knight satellite. What? Is that what we're talking about? If you think about it, I mean, do you think that at some point in time, extraterrestrial, like, don't you think they would send a probe first? You got it, right? They would send a satellite first. Well, I think that the idea of uh, 
What's the Stanford professor's name? The uh, it's Bracewell. It's, Bracewell. Thank you. Bracewell probe. If it's a Bracewell probe, the idea is that this thing, an extraterrestrial civilization, will send it to a planet that has favorable conditions for life, and this thing will just sit latent in orbit until it gets like pinged awake by a radio signal from the planet surface. At which point, then it starts like transmitting data. So if this was a Bracewell probe. Truly over, like, from prehistory, like, over 10,000 years old, if we believe uh, Lunin's, uh, you know, calculations on this. Sure. Um, which I, I mean, like, I, I don't think, I have no way I'd have to, to see the that. math on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no way to verify or dispute it. But if we believe that, if we say it's, oh, it's 13,000 years old, I mean, it just sat latent, just dormant in orbit around the Earth in this polar orbit. Um you know, although it doesn't make a lot of sense to make a retrograde orbit, I guess, in that case, because why would you want to expend more fuel, like fighting against gravity? Right. And to have the fuel to sit there for 13,000 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, then you, I guess you kind of have to assume like, oh, this is a very advanced civilization. Right. So maybe this is like some, has a small like fusion reactor in it. And so it only needs a little bit of matter to provide. Little element 115. <laughs> these, are all, these are all things we talked about before. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, aliens, yeah, they probably, they probably, maybe they have a, they maybe they have a satellite in orbit and they're kind of checking out the data and they're like, let these guys cook a little bit longer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this podcast beamed up to them and they were like, never mind, shut yuck, it down. Yuck, yeah, no, 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 no. Crash that satellite into the earth. Hey, have we got any alien listeners? I mean, let us know what the hell you're up to. What's going on, dudes? You want to come on the show? Yeah, we'll have, we'll interview you. Interview a fucking extraterrestrial. But just know that your sex lives are not off limits. It makes a lot of sense, though, Andy, because there's a lot of junk up there in space. There's a lot of junk. Now, we've obviously, we have pretty good, nowadays, we have pretty good tracking of everything that's up there because, I mean, I don't know how they do it. You know, the the calculations, we talked about it. I mean, even... You might be thinking like, oh, okay, like there's stuff in orbit that's like one centimeter, little nut, little bolt, traveling pretty fucking fast. Well, that's the thing. Comes, is comes and hits you, could easily pierce through these uh, very sensitive satellites. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like if we have a big satellite and even it's just like one little bolt yeah. hurtling through space because you don't realize how fast like the earth itself seems like it moves really slow to us because it's so huge. But, like, it's actually going pretty fast. Yeah. Like, if it was tiny, it would be, like, whirring around. You know what I mean? Right. And you have to you have to avoid collision at all costs. So every single one of these crazy satellites that's up there, I mean, there's tons of them up there. There's over 3,000 satellites. So um, they all, at, at all times, have to be calculating where all this shit is and other satellites and not crashing into each other. Yeah. I mean, there has to be so much coordination between, like, people with satellites and, like, think about something the size of the ISS, you yeah. know, like, that's in permanent orbit. Like, I mean, the danger of these little pieces of junk just, like, damaging it are probably huge. It's got to be really hard to, like, avoid. Even for all the amount of space there is, like, you know, it's not exactly a confined area. But this stuff's never going to have the velocity to break away from Earth, so it's just stuck there. I love this idea, though, that there's a crazy alien probe 
it makes me want to like play a game or <laughs> I'm thinking of Kerbal like a space Academy, a Kerbal space program, Kerbal space program. I was a Kerbal space program. OG. I played it when it first launched in alpha and then I never played it again. It was fun though. It really, it, they use like actual physics, math and like real, uh, like actual, it's, it's very, you know, from what I understand, it's very similar to how it's actually done, how actual physicists and engineers and whatnot actually launched shit into space. Wow. It's very similar. Like you have to control all this shit. I was so bad at it. Yeah. Terrible at it. <laughs> you can like go land on other planets now. So crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Kerb, Kerbal space program. Any Kerbal fans out there? Yeah, um, let us know. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you though, that this, this idea this has the this has the uh potential to be really cool. But it does feel disjointed, I think. It does feel disjointed. Cuz it's like, oh, this thing happened and there isn't really a clear like it's kind of interesting to me like it would be it would be interesting to know the like I don't know, dissect how this all got lumped together as the Black Knight satellite cuz yeah. it's like this thing with Tesla, the LDEs like it really has nothing to do with either each other or anything else. Like, it's just like people found this and were like, eh, why not? <laughs> this could be part of this. Yeah, sure. We'll loop that in. Yeah. LDEs are pretty wild, too, because we don't, no one knows. Nobody really knows. No one, again, no one knows what causes them. Yeah. That's <laughs> There's a couple different hypotheses. There's like five. Um, people thought, people have tested. It, it's pretty wild. They've shot radio signals at Venus and Mars. It takes about five minutes. So they know it's not, maybe not those planets. It could be a different asteroid or something else out in space. Yeah. To get something that we exact haven't mapped time. yet. And it's hard to replicate them in a not controlled environment. It's very weird. And they don't happen all the time, right? No. Like that's that's what I was understanding is that it's like it's not even consistent in how it like happens. Yeah. Just the aliens. Show, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. Could be aliens. Um well I don't know, Andy. I mean, what do you want to maybe talk about um, the thermal blanket? Do we want to talk about that, or should we get into verdicts and talk about it? Uh, I guess we could talk about it because that's kind. Of, excuse me. Whoa, trying to I'm trying to fight off the hiccups. Jeez, um, that's kind of you know a lot of these other sightings are like whatever. I know they're not whatever, but the real thing is like those images from 1998. Yeah. yeah, that's when you look when you Google Black Knight satellite, that's what comes up. Right. Images. Yeah. So is that the thing that they saw in 1960, the giant black mass? Or is it a thermal blanket? You can watch the video of the thermal blanket. A thermal cover did leave the uh the uh whatever space station. And the you can hear Houston very clearly go, uh, uh you know, Jerry, I think you uh lost a cover there. You know, one thing that I'm like Jerry's like, duh, I'm stupid. I'm an astronaut. Duh, what did you say? I'm just a dumb astronaut. I don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I'm kind of thinking about with this with this whole blanket thing um, is like there's some, there's some people that are kind of like, oh, that's, you know, like th the images of it, it's too big to be a thermal blanket. But it's like, it's not a thermal blanket blanket right it's, it's like a cover. big cover that they were going to put in the space shuttle it's, it's like, about man-sized 
Yeah, like it's it's bigger than just like a like a blanket necessarily, right? Like Right. And I don't know, it's like people say, Oh, it's clearly too big, like, you know, there was a picture I saw of it next to the space shuttle. Like floating next to the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, look, it's, you know, that was like the thing is like, oh, it's too big to be a blanket. Look at how big it is compared to the space shuttle. But it's like the picture's misleading. Right. Because how do we know how far it is? How do like. It's very difficult to tell in space because right. everything looks fucking weird and flat. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. Because you're, it's just black void. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like you, you can't. You can't like judge the distance in like relative, right? And we don't know where they are. Like, there's no relative objects. It's not like you can see. Like, oh, look at this tree. And the image is from like up above. Yeah, and behind the space shuttle. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Like I don't think that I don't. To me, it's like, I don't know. It. I don't find that to be so compelling. Oh. Like I mean, I know that's like a key thing for people is that they see those pictures, but it's like it doesn't seem that weird to me. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, the thing is, you like you have the video. You can, it's in the research. Right, right. You can watch the it. The STS eighty eight of the what? fucking loser astronaut. This dumb, <laughs> typical dumb fucking astronaut. Yeah. You know, I, although I I think it's like, I don't know. People people make it out like, oh well, that that's kind of stuff doesn't happen or whatever. Like astronauts don't make these kind of mistakes. It's like. Look at all the crap that's in space. Like that had to come from somewhere. Yeah. I it's mean, not like I threw a bolt up into the over the mountains and it landed in space. Like, you know, like that stuff. You came, do got a rocket arm. I got a rocket arm, but it ain't that good, brother. I mean, this stuff it came from astronauts probably like doing like you like we said in the research, doing spacewalks. Yeah, I mean it's stuff. not easy. Yeah. I mean, stuff. I know we're joking about the fucking stereotype, <laughs> but like it's not easy to be out in space and to be like tethered and being like, yeah. there's so much shit you gotta, I mean, there's a lot to keep your mind on. Like, it's uncomfortable. Like it's, it's not easy. Right. And there's, you got a lot of stuff that you got to yeah. deal with. Like, and like if shit floats away, it's like, you can't go get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. It's fucking gone. It's like, once it gets away from you, it's gone forever. You're never getting this big clunky back. suit. Yeah. You got a catheter. Yeah. You know, and you're it's wearing like, a diaper. You're wearing a fucking diaper and it's like. Wait, are we talking about astronauts or me on the weekends? <laughs> Both. Because <laughs> uh, oh you're a real, I mean, you're a spacey guy. I. What are we Ke- talking about? You're Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, uh, um, I don't know. I, yeah, it's. It's difficult. I, I I don't know what to make of it. I guess we can get into verdicts here, Andy. Yeah. Um. Man, you really threw me a fucking wrench. You really threw some fucking space debris in my orbit here. With this <laughs> military satellite. That's really uh scratching an itch for me. Cause I this is where I'm going. I think that it was real. Like I don't think the whole story is cohesive, yeah. and I don't think that the whole story fits together as no. one piece. But there's an element of this. That I think is real. Like in the 60s, I think this was real. Yeah. But the 50s, I don't know what to make of it. The earlier stuff, I just don't kind of think is related. Uh, Duncan Lunan, I'm kind of like, I don't know what to make of that either. Like, I don't know. I don't, I, don't have an, I don't have the wherewithal to refute anything that he's saying. But, you know, the fact that nobody's like saying, oh, yes, you've stumbled upon something very intriguing here kind of like leads me to believe that. 
it might be kind of not all that great. So I guess at the end of the day, like, is it an alien satellite? I don't think so. But was there something there? Like, I'm gonna ver I'm gonna give a verdict on just a was this a real thing? Mm. And I'm gonna give it very plausible. Wow, very plausible. Because I that's why I that I just have that feeling like this. Wow. If it was a spy satellite, they would have all the reason in the world to keep it quiet. Uh, I think part of the research made the argument, which I think is a good point. A polar orbit gives you a better view of the Earth yeah. because the Earth ro will rotate underneath rather than if you're equatorial, you're just basically seeing the same part of the Earth all the, all the time. Right. But with the polar orbit, the Earth is rotating underneath you, so you'd be able to see eventually the whole Earth. Mm -hmm. as it rotates around. So I think this was some kind of uh, possibly American experimental spy satellite that we have yet to uh, uncover or like have be linked to this through like declassified documents, which I guess at this point it might happen soon. Yeah. If it could be even pulled back to this. Wow. But I think I'm, I mean, I think there was something up there. Like I said, I don't. I'm not buying the whole story. I don't necessarily think that it's extraterrestrial, because you know it's just not my philosophy. But if I'm just gonna go straight on, like, was there an object? Yeah, very plausible for me. Wow. Um, jeez, I mean, really putting me in a tight spot here. I mean, Andy just fucking sprung this shit up on me. <laughs> Uh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to... Uh, what were you planning to say? I don't know. I was planning to say plausible minus. Okay. Just in general, I didn't even think about it being a fucking spy satellite. Oh, okay. Um, So I guess plausible minus for any idea that this is some fucking, you know, uh, alien uh, spy satellite or sort of alien probe. But yeah, I'm going to have to echo you on the very plausible for some kind of military spy satellite that they want to keep secret. We ended up with two very plausible verdicts. That is wow. a rarity on this. That's uh, a rarity. Normally, we're a couple of poo-pooers, poo-pooing everything. Oh, we poo-poo everything, like a couple of fucking astronauts who just had a bunch of fucking uh, tandoori chicken. <laughs> poo-pooing into our diapers the whole night. Fucking having a bunch of fucking uh, curry chicken. Curried chicken, spicy, spicy, so spicy. Those hot chilies. Oh my god, they just fucking from the subcon right through burning you. up. Oh man, it gets your metabolism going, and you just oh, shit it out right away. Um, poo poo. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bunk funkers, uh, let us know what you think. That's what we think. You are you know? poo pooing this? Or are you, you poo pooing this? Or are you fucking on board? I mean, uh, let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Uh, Hashtag Black Knight football. Hashtag Black Knight football. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, hijack the we'll uh, hijack. Army, Army football. Uh, no, uh, let's see. Hashtag BTS killer. BKS killer. Yeah, BTS killer would be a different thing. Yeah. Uh, sure, BKS killer. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, you can email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Uh -huh. Find our YouTube channel by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time, or there's a link to subscribe 
uh, from our website, MrBucketsConspiracyTime.com. And finally, if you enjoy the show, you want to support the show, and you have the means to do so, consider donating on Patreon. Um, it helps keeps the lights on here in the bunker. Helps keep uh, Peon Musk fed. <laughs> and, helps, him, uh, helps him eat all the egg benedicts he needs. That's right to keep alive and um, undead. You know you can get uh, access to our Patreon only show, Andy and Art Debunked, where it's Andy and I uncovering lots of different urban legends, mysteries, what have you, um, pop culture conspiracies. You can get access to the Bunker Discord channel where you can chat with Andy and I and other bunk funkers. And you can um, get your very own bunker alarm with some other prizes like sneak peeks, behind the scenes footage, uh, early access to YouTube videos, what have you. Sneak peeks, the David Lynch show. That's a good one. I like that one. (laughs) That's a funny one. Well, Andy, do you have any other uh, fun little quips you want to throw out before we end the show? (laughs) Uh, No. Very good. Well, uh, this is a fitting one. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my futile. <laughs> yeah. Co-host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. From the satellites of Montezuma. Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.